Yeah, talking about money is difficult in church, and especially if you're visiting with us today, well, um, don't get nervous, just relax, and we don't expect anything from you, just we want you to enjoy your time here, but it's a necessary thing, and, and I need to ask your forgiveness. As a pastor, I really feel like that maybe I've let, uh, I've let you down and I've let the church down because, you know, um, it seems like that there's so much, especially there's so many wolves in sheep's clothing that, that fleece the flock uh, for money, and, and, you know, it's just a hard thing to talk about, and I think most pastors kind of back away from it and don't talk about it very much because of the fact that, um, you know, there has been so much discussion about it and so much pressure put on, uh, on people, and so, uh, uh, but it's necessary. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free, and um, so we need to know, and we need, we need to know the truth of what Jesus has to say about money, you know, the Bible, there's over 800 references to money in the Bible. Over half, more than half of the parables that Jesus taught uh, had to deal, dealt with money. And if we're going to be financially stable and financially free, uh, if you would, in our own lives, we need to know how to handle money as believers, as Christians. I believe that God wants his people to be, uh, to be free, don't you? I believe he, he wants the best for us. And even in, in limited times, in difficult times, I believe that, um, you know, God, if we're following God's principles, God's principles work for us. And so we want to follow that. But let's pray first of all. Amen. Father, we just ask that you would just help us today. Uh, Lord, we, we need to know the truth. We need to be set free. We need to be set free from fear. We need to be set free from guilt, from doubt from worry, from lack of trust in you. Lord, we need to be set free so we can do what you've called us to do. Lord, we need to be able to do your will, not our will. Lord, we need to uh, be kings and priests in your kingdom. And uh, we need to, to be your children that, that hear your voice and, and do what you, what you speak to us. So, Lord, today we just open ourselves up to you, and, Lord, we want you to speak to us, and we want to be obedient to your word, and we want you to um, search our hearts today. And where we've heard some things that aren't right, correct those things. And, Lord, if there's uh, been some things that, that uh, we need to reinforce, we ask that you do that as well. And, Lord, we just leave it in your hands and ask for your anointing on this right now. In Jesus' name, amen. I read a story that said that in 1987, this is a true story, in 1987, Chet Atkins and um, uh, Margaret Archer, I think it was, they wrote a song, and Ray Stevens sung it. Now, how many of you know those people I just mentioned? Wow. Okay, that, that dates us here. But anyway, <laughs> Chet Atkins and Margaret Archer wrote this song, and it was sung by Ray Stevens. He was quite a guy. And it, uh, one of the verses, it said, If he came back tomorrow, there's something I'd like to know. Would Jesus wear a Rolex on his own television show? That was kind of in the 80s. If some of you remember back in the 80s, it was some difficult times. Remember there was the Jim Baker scandal and the Jimmy Swigert deal, and there all kinds of stuff going on. Televangelists, uh, you know, they've... Um, been, it's been pretty difficult and, and you know, has, has given some, some bad reputation and, and bad raps to, to the church and to Christianity. But aren't you glad that uh, we can look beyond those things and we can look to the word and we can find out what Jesus says and we can see the truth and we can know that truth, as he says, and the truth sets us free. I want us to look at five questions today that's going to help us to know the truth about what God says about giving. Will that be okay? That'd be all right, won't it? If we know what God has to say about it, not what man has to say about it, then I think it'll, it'll help us. And if we do uh, what God says to do with our finances, then God will bless our finances. Amen? How many of you say, I could use a little blessing on my finances? Amen. Is it okay? Is it all right? Is this okay to preach this today? How many of you like Christian Center members have heard me preach on money more than two times? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Troy. 30 years, so um, not very often, and, and I had to ask the Lord to forgive me on that because I, I think I might have been a little bit ne negligent, um, but we need to set our finances free. How about that? Set our finances free, and we need to talk today, uh, five questions I think that we ought to look at is who, who should give, why should I give, how much should I give, how often should I give, and what will happen when I do give? 
Now, first of all, let me just tell you that at this church, when we first established this, that um, I got set up on a salary. So I get no benefit how much the offerings are, if they're big or if they're small or whatever. So it doesn't make any difference, okay? But maybe that's bad because I don't have an incentive maybe to push. But I do have an incentive to push because I love this church and I love you. And we're probably going through a most critical financial stage in this church that we've ever been in. Would you say that's right, Wade? Uh, Charlie's the chairman of our finance committee, and Wade's our uh, secretary treasurer. And I tell you what, we put them in some a bind, and they've done an excellent job. And we run a lean ship here. You know, we try to do what we can to save. But I think that we need to hear the word of God because when the truth comes, that's when breakthrough comes, right? And so we need breakthrough for our church. But that has to, then that means that each one of us need breakthrough. I'd like to see God do something in my finances, and I know you would too. So let's just look at the Word of God, examine these questions today, and, just, and, and see what, has, what, what the Lord has to say about it. Now, who should give? All believers ought to give. Now, there's a, I think that there's a principle in giving that's kind of like the principle of gravity. I think that it works. I think that if you give, and the, uh, you know, the Bible says that God loves those that give to orphans and widows and, and those in need and different things. And I think that there's a principle in giving that it happens. You know, you give and it, and it comes back. But there's a special grace upon believers who give. And uh, God expects us to give. You know, Jesus... He not only expects it, but he requires all believers to give. He said to his disciples, he didn't say when you give there in Matthew 6. He says, or, or, or if you give, he said when you give. He didn't say if you, if you give, he said when you give. And so really Christian giving is not optional. It's really essential. It's essential to the body of Christ, but it's also really essential in our own lives that we don't realize that, that it's helping us when we do it. I think that Satan fights our finances more than he fights anything else. He really does. I think he, and that's why that, that uh, there's so much to said about, about finances. Um, you know, a lot of times you hear people say, well, you know, in the Old Testament, people had to give. It's under the tithe. But we're not under the Old Testament. We're not under law. We're under grace. And we're under the New Testament. So we only have to give if we want to. Hmm. Well, we need to see what the Bible has to say about that. Um, you know, really, this, this isn't what Jesus taught at all. Um, I want you to open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse verse 2. One thing to keep in, in mind, giving is an attribute of God. He's a giver. He's given us all things. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God is a giver. And we're to be godly, to be godlike. Jesus is a giver. He gave his life. He gave everything he had. So we're to be like him. We're to be like God. We're to be like... And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So we're to be like them. So that means that we then should be givers, right? How many know that when you have given something, it, it, it does feel good to give, right? But you know, it's so amazing that we can go and we can spend money a lot of places and put out a lot of money, but when the offering bag comes around, boy, it's like, wow, that 20 grows, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, uh, it's, that's not very big at all when we're doing what we want to do, but, uh, you know, boy, when, when the offering bag comes by, it really, that, that's a big, big 20. I heard one preacher one time say, you know, it's back when everybody wrote checks. They don't do that so much anymore. But he said, you know, just hand your checkbook to your neighbor because they know what you ought to give. <laughs> you know, that's kind of scary, you know. <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, but look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2. The Apostle Paul was writing this about a group of people. He says, out of the most severe trial, their, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty poverty welled up in rich generosity for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own uh, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints this reminds me of when we were in Africa when we were down in Mombasa I preached uh, down there the church was just starting we just started a church down that way and at the end of that the, the pastor came up and he was speaking uh, in Swahili. I didn't understand what he was saying, telling them that there was a lot of people there. What he was telling them was that they were going to receive an offering, and they were going to receive an offering from me. So I didn't understand, you know, I didn't know what he was saying. So then about that time they started doing something, and people started coming up, and I, uh, I was standing there, and he had them bring that offering up and put it at my feet. Now, people, I want to tell you something. That broke my heart. I couldn't stand there with, with a dry eye. I, I didn't know what to do. I thought, here's a group of people that don't have anything. Talk about extreme poverty. 
And as I was standing there, I thought, I was praying, like, Lord, what can I do? I can't, this can't happen. I can't receive this offering. You know, these people, they need this a whole lot more than, than I. I don't need this, Lord. You know, I'm here to minister to them. And I was just like trying to figure, Lord, speak to me. I got to figure out some way to get out of this. And the Lord said, you stand there and you receive this offering. That was the hardest thing I think I've ever had to do in my life. As I was standing there, he says, now you know what I feel like when I ask my people to give. He says, I don't need their money. But he said, I need their heart. And so as I stood there, you know, that came in and they, they gave it to me. Well, later on, we, took, we went back and we ended up buying some lights and some stuff for that church and was able to put it in and to bless the church back. But without them knowing it, because we didn't want them to think, well, that, you know, we were too good to receive their offering. But I'm going to tell you something, that's a very hard thing to do. I think it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my ministry. But the Lord taught me something, that giving represents your heart and it's out of worship. And they did that. They, they did that of worship to the Lord. And you know that God blessed, he, he is blessing, he's blessing now, blessing them now. And it's just amazing what you see opens up. And those people are prospering, uh, being blessed. And so, you know, I saw that work. I saw out of extreme poverty that, uh, people that wanted to give. And I thought, how did they catch this? How did they, you know, the pastor didn't just, you know, threaten them or anything. But how did they catch this principle? Somehow or another, they knew, and, and it worked. In Luke chapter 21, verse 1, uh, it says, As he looked up, Jesus saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow putting in two very small copper coins. Verse 3, I tell you the truth, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth. But she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. You know, God expects everybody to give. I don't understand it. You know, I think, well, you know, we ought to give some a break. But what he knows is that the principle of giving is so real that to get out of the poverty, you've got to do that. To, you've got to give your way out of the poverty. It just doesn't make sense in the natural mind, but it's a spiritual principle. So he expects the rich, the poor, and those in between to practice the, the principle of giving. Now, the neat thing about it is he does it in his grace because she gave what? the Well, we talk about the widow's might, but it says, you know, she gave two little copper coins, and this rich man, he gave a whole bunch, but yet Jesus watching the offering, and I believe Jesus watches the offering, by the way, uh, with those two copper coins, Jesus said she put in more than anybody else. It wasn't the amount, but it was the degree of what she had. And I think that we've probably heard messages on that and understand that, but wow, I think that we need to think about that sometimes. You know, do we trust the Lord you know, giving really shows how much we trust him with our finances. We think we have to hang on to something and that we're going we're gonna to make sure we get it done. That's where you step out in faith and say, Lord, I'm going to be obedient. Well, there's times when we first went into ministry and Sandy and I both came from, I guess, blue-collar homes or whatever, you know, uh, not rich, rich, but middle-income families. And I, I can tell you, as a child, I never, I never remember missing a meal. I never remember things being tough. Maybe it was. I just didn't know it. You know, sometimes you know, as a kid, you just, but I don't remember things being that bad. We went into ministry and there was a time when I think we had three kids at, the t at that time when we said, okay, we're going to trust you. And we didn't go into ministry for money. We left money to go into ministry. We both had great jobs and, and um, there was a time and uh, in a place not very far from here, actually in Tranquility Trailer Park, we had a little trailer back over here and the screens were blowing off of it, the mosquitoes. I don't know if they really sprayed that much for mosquitoes back in those days. But I want to tell you something. That's, this is my, my cream of mushroom soup story that some of you might have heard. That, <laughs> yeah, I know we always have cream of mushroom soup in the, in the pantry. For what, I don't know. But, you know, you're supposed to have cream of mushroom soup in the pantry. You know, it's just a thing that you've got to have there, I guess. There's a place for it, you know. I always remember having cream of mushroom soup in the, in the pantry, but I've never eaten cream of mushroom soup in my life. But I did that day. I thought, man, went to the pantry and looked at cream of mushroom soup. <laughs> wow, we must be really doing bad. I mean, all we got is cream of mushroom soup. <laughs> and I thought, wow, Lord. And I remember us uh, as a family praying. And I'm going to tell you something. I don't know how long it was after that, but I do remember, I think one of the kids opened the door to run out to go play, and they said, hey, 
Mom, Dad, there's a bunch of sacks on the, on the porch. Somebody obeyed God and brought some groceries and set them outside that door. Now, that had never happened to me. We'd never, you know, we weren't raised to where, you know, we were in such a need like that, but we were then, and I got to experience that. I thank God for those times because I would never would have realized, never would have understood what a blessing that is and what a miracle he can perform. But I want to tell you something. Throughout all those times, we gave not just a 10% of our, of our income. We gave, because we didn't have much income, we gave more than that. We would give what we were believing to receive. I'm, I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that as a testimony. And God honored that somehow or another. I can't tell you how he does it. I don't know how he does it, but he does it. Sandy was going, went to the store one day. She, that was back when she did lots of coupons and stuff, you know. And um, I think she said she'd got some meat, and she, and she brought it up. And, and as she was checking out, kind of looking to see if she had enough, you know, how it is. got this much money and this much food and see how it all works and see what you got to put back. And so as they were looking, she said, oh, I'm going to have to put this meat back. And as she was doing it, she turned it over, and on the bottom of it was a cool 20. <laughs> was, it, was it a 20? It was stuck to the bottom of that uh, that meat package well that was just right it was just perfect you know sometimes it's not you know over and above but it's what's amazing is when it's just right you know that it can't be an accident when I was traveling around on the on the road we were singing and preaching and Sandy was at home with the kids and uh I was talking to her one night she said man I don't know what we're gonna do she said we got the electric bill and it was ridiculous I mean it was like oh enormous uh, compared to what it had been, like it, it had been being like, let's say, 50 or $60 a, a month, and it was 500 and some dollars a month. And this was back in the 70s, I guess it was. Yeah, this was back in the 70s. And so I said, well, I don't know, honey. And I said, but God will have to take care of it. And so I, and I hung up the phone. I remember praying. I said, now, Lord, when I worked for Rock Island Railroad, they paid me, and my needs were taken care of. You say you supply all my needs according to your riches and glory. So I'm trusting you to take care of that because that's, that's your house and, or your apartment and your stuff. And you're, we're just managing it for you. So however you want to do it, that's fine. We went on about the business and uh, we was in a little meeting there preaching and different things. And I don't know if Sandy called me the next day or whatever. She said that uh, somehow or another, or she called the electric company. They got to checking it out. And they couldn't figure it out. And it was the right reading. The meter was, was read right and correct and everything. But she said that they said, well, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're just going to forgive that. Now, I don't know about you. That's the first and only time that electric companies ever forgiven my electric bill when the meter was right. But, I mean, time after time after time, we saw things like that happen. That built our faith to, to believe God to leave Tulsa, Oklahoma with no place inside and come to Alvin, Texas, because God said go to Alvin, Texas and establish a church there. But we had faith to do that because God had already built our faith up in what he had done. So, you know, you give, not just when, not at certain times, but we give. And that's a hard thing to learn. It sometimes doesn't make sense, but it's a principle. It's a principle. Second question is, why should I give? Well, first of all, I should give because his word says I ought to give, you know, I mean, my, I used to, my dad would tell me something, and you never ask why, I mean, had, had parents like that, that was back in the day, you know, when we, we had time out, it's how, how long you were knocked out on, the, <laughs> how much time you were out on the floor, you know, uh, but um, you never said why, you know, it was usually like, because I said so, and sometimes I think about that, you know, if I ask God, and i I'm pretty inquisitive, and I'll ask God why a lot of times. And, but, you know, this is one of those times because I said so. Um, but, you know, because he is a giver. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. This, this is a powerful verse. And, and if you would meditate upon this verse, and just take it and meditate upon it, meditate upon it, I believe it would just begin to grow in you and produce something in you. In Deuteronomy 8, 18... It says, but remember the Lord, your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Remember the Lord, remember the Lord, your God, for he, it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. That word remember in the Hebrew, it means to acknowledge. How do you acknowledge someone? Well, Sandy, a while ago, she acknowledged Benny and Daryl. 
you know, and, and uh, so we do that. It's so testifying, but acknowledge or we, we acknowledge to them, hey, I recognize that you did this, you know. Benny cleaned up that mess that was in the back. So acknowledging, we, re- we recognize that you did that. We acknowledge that you did that. Well, some, that's kind of good, you know, because if not, it's kind of like, well, nobody cares. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? You ever do something, it's like, well, well I guess that doesn't matter to anybody. Moms, <laughs> you know, nobody, nobody cares about that, you know. Um, so it's nice to be acknowledged. Well, if God has given us the ability to get wealth, if he gives you the very talent that you have to go to a job and work on that job and, do, and produce whatever you produce, they give you a paycheck for that. They acknowledge that you had talent and ability to do what you did, so they give you some money for doing that. That's nice, isn't it? So where does, should the credit really go? If God gave you that ability, shouldn't you in turn acknowledge him? So that's what it means to remember the Lord your God. To make known, it means, um, it says, in the definition here, it says um, to recall or acknowledge either silently, verbally, or by means of a memorial sign or symbol. By means of a memorial sign or symbol. You know, I think every day we ought to acknowledge God, that he gives us the talent to get wealth. You know, as you're on your, your way to work, say, God, thank you that you give me the ability to get up and, and go to work, produce a, a paycheck, and be able to take care of my family. And you're acknowledging him that. So you can do that. But then he's given us some specific ways. There's a time when we need to acknowledge him with a memorial sign. And, and he said that, hey, on the first day of each week, that we should set aside a time and determine what we're to give to him and acknowledge him by the giving of a gift to him, acknowledging him. That's why we should give. It's scriptural. You know, the ancient Hebrews, they, uh, this was by remembering someone, that was their, their deep sense of worship. And they did that verbally, but also in expression. And so we need to do that. Remember, Jesus said uh, about the Last Supper, he said, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Well, he means, and carry it out, and, 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 and do these acts, this ordinance, you know, receiving the juice and, and the bread and doing something. Not just, even, not just verbally, but he says, as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. Do it out of worship. Do it as a memorial sign to what I've done. So the same way with our, with our offering ought to be a memorial sign to God and a worship to him, saying, I acknowledge that you have given me this ability. And whether we ever get anything or not, we should do that. You know, I think that one of the bad things that has happened through, I'll say TV. I mean, that's the elephant in the room. But, you know, we've, we've gone through marathons of telethons and all these other things. And there's been so much promise that if you'll give this, that, you know, God will erase your debt and whatever. And maybe you still got your debt. And I mean, I think there's been a lot of stuff that, that's been promised that hasn't happened. How many of you would say, yeah. And maybe there's some things that have happened. And praise God for that. But... You know, when we, when we give with the motive to get, think about that just for a second. Is that the right motive? You know, James says you have not because you ask not. And when you do ask, you ask with the wrong motive in mind so you don't get anything. We re- you know, but our human nature always says what's in it for me, right? And so... You know, the thing is that that really makes it easy to manipulate us. Because then if, there's, if we can think that it's something really great that's in it for me, then I'll go ahead and do that. I'm motivated to go ahead and do that. But you know what? God says, huh, I'm not going to. Wait a minute. Will you just acknowledge that I'm the one that gave you the ability to get wealth? And so if we never, if there was never any incentive that we was ever going to get anything back, we should still give. That's why that we give in the good times, we give in the bad times. You know, we don't just, if you wait for a good time to give, it'll be like, well, it's too hot, it's too cold, it's too wet, it's too dry. You know, it's kind of like, you know, going to do, mow the grass or something. You know? <laughs> if we ever wait for a great time to give, um, that's why we just need to, to do it. God remembers you know, we're to remember him. I can tell you he remembers. If you look at Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 31, Nehemiah says this, after, 
Nehemiah reminding God that he had given some things. He says, um, I also made, Nehemiah is saying this, I also made provision for contributions of wood at designated times and for the first fruits. Remember me with favor, oh my God. Because of his gifts, he was saying, God, remember me with favor. You know, God remembers. I mean, we remember the widow that gave the, the, the two copper coins to this day because Jesus was looking in on that. In Psalm, the 112th Psalm, verse 5, it says, God will come to him who is generous and lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. Surely he will never be shaken. A righteous man will be remembered forever. God remembers those that have those attributes, those that, that, who are generous and lends freely and who conducts his affairs with justice. It says, surely he will never be shaken. A righteous man will be remembered forever. We will give an account. I don't want to, even saying that is almost like, feel like that we could almost take that. Well, there we go, see, he's trying to bring condemnation on me. No, I'm not. I don't, I don't want to do that. But I, I do want to tell you the truth. You know, when we know that we're to do right or do good and we don't do it, what is it? It's a sin, right? When we know to do good. Um, you know, God's given us everything. He, as I said a while ago, he gave, he gave his son. Um, he's, you know, just a couple things I jotted down here in Ephesians 1, 3. blessed us with every spiritual blessing in 1 Timothy 6, 17. He richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Um, he, he just blesses us abundantly. You know, we're blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms. And so I should give for the glory of God and uh, for the good of his people. That's why we should give. You know, we should give, uh, like at the church, it's, it's, you know, this is our time now. You know, this is our watch. You know, the church doesn't, it's just kind of like parents, you know. Sometimes kids, they don't realize that there's electric bills to pay, water bills to pay, and a mortgage, and, you know, and then there's all the different expenses that go into it, you know. Kids don't realize that, kids don't realize that right? We went someplace one time, and one of the kids was wanting something, and Sandy said, well, we don't really have the money right now. And they said, well, just write a check. <laughs> just write a check, you know, no matter if there's money or not. But... We can tell you, right now, we've got a $1,500 electric bill, and it's critical, people. We don't have the money to pay it. $1,500 electric bill at, this, at the church. We don't have the money to pay it. It's critical. You know, I mean, those things happen. You've got water bills, electric bills. You got, we got a mortgage on this section of property right over here that we bought a few years back. I think we owe about $12,000 on it. It's about $600 a month or something like that. Is that $650? So, huh? Well, yeah, to the fence this direction. It used to be a car wash over there, and, and it kind of it came available. We were able to buy it. And we don't owe that much on it, $12,000. And, you know, 12 of you could give $1,000. We'd knock that $650 a month, a month out real quick. But I'm just saying there's things, there's bills that the church has to pay, you know. And so we don't think about that sometimes. We just come in and we enjoy it, and, and we go on because a lot of times we don't say that much stuff about it, do we? We really don't. That's probably the first time you've ever heard I say that we have a critical need for an electric bill that we can't pay. We try not to do that. And, you know, if all of us, would, there in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, would be every supporting ligament, you know, doing our part, we'd never have to worry about any of that, right? really wouldn't. So, and don't take it as your fault. I'm taking the blame for this because I've failed to, to bring a message and fail to equip you along the line. Not all the time, but, you know, along the way. You know, we need to be equipped. We need to be reminded of the principles that, that we need to live by and the principles of giving. You know, but it's people, it's our watch now. I mean, thank God for those that have gone before us. And we, we're not quite 30 years old, but we had this facility. And, and this is all paid off, you know, and everything we just, all we owe is that, that one little section over there. That, that's great. And, but there's been others that have gone before us. They've, they've given and they've, they've sacrificed for us to have what we have right now. But it's our time now. You know, Keith Green said, this generation of Christians is responsible for this generation of souls on the earth. You know, it's our time. It's our watch. It's time for us to, to take the ball and, and to, to go forward with it. Well, um, 
we need to give because Jesus established the church and the church needs the finances. I'm sorry, but it takes money for ministry. They talk about an army. You know, what it takes for an army is you got to have men or women. You got to have a mission and you got to have money to run an army. Same way. It's just one of those things here on earth that it's just one of the things that happens. It just takes money to do those things. You know that because you face it every day in your expenses and stuff. But see, God's ordained a principle that doesn't make sense in the natural that if we do it, it helps us individually, it helps our family, and it, it provides for his family, the church. And it all works. And everybody just does their part. And not everybody has to do the same thing. You know, those with a lot... They give according to their income. Those with a little, like the, the widow, give according to what they had. So uh, it, Jesus said in John chapter 9, verse 4, he said, as long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no man can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. You know what? Right now, this is our time to, as a church to, to work. We need to be about the master's business, not trying to see... If we're going to be able to make our electric bill, <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? It would be great to be able to, I wish our finance committee uh, was having to put together subcommittees to determine how to fund all other ministries. Wouldn't it be awesome? That's what we ought to be doing. There really ought to be more than enough. And, you know, and that's going to happen. I believe it's going to happen. Because when we have a desire for that, for God to use us in that way, he'll use us. He, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, he says, you are the light of the world. First, he said, I'm the light of the world. He said, night's coming when no man can work. So there's only a certain time that we have to work for the Lord. Time's coming, you know. Amen. I'm ready for it. But this is our time. And so, you know, to do that effectively, we got we to, to follow his principles. And one of those principles that we got to follow is giving. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on, a, on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. You know, we ought to be able to light the house and light the community with, with what God's doing and be able to do it, you know, because we have finances and funding to do that. In the same way, he says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So we've got some things to do. We need to be about that. Why should I give? I should give because I want my heart to be right with God. You know, you know, if he comes, I don't want my heart to not be right with him. <laughs> I mean, think of it that way. And he said, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So we just got to see where's our treasure. So I need to give so that, because I want my heart to be right with God. Your heart follows your treasure. You know, and if I want my heart to uh, concerned with the things of God, then I've got to invest in his work. And you know what? And then it makes us one together. And, and it's, it, that's what brings about unity. Because you know what? We're all in this thing together. We really are. Matthew 6, 19. Uh, another reason why I should give, I should give in order to lay up treasure in heaven. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 19, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So, you know, we've heard that story, that, that passage of Scripture many, many times. Investments on earth are, uh, they're sure to pass away. But investments in, in heaven and in eternity, they're going to be there forever. You know, John, uh, Jim Elliott, he was a, a missionary, actually was, was killed on the mission field back in the 50s. But he said, he is no fool who gives, who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. You know, so really it's a wise thing to do, to give up what you can't keep to be able to have what you can't lose. And that's being able to give it in heaven. So Jesus said in Luke 6, 38, listen to this. Now, he did promise something here. He did say if you give, something's going to happen. In Luke 6, 38, he says, give and it will be given to you. Why? This is God's grace that's working. You know, in the Old Testament, they had to bring the tithe in. And if they didn't bring the tithe in, there was 
problems. And, and you know, then it said if they even spent part of the tithe, they had to pay a fifth of that tithe on top, uh, uh, add a fifth to it and all those things. That's under the law. We're not under the law anymore. We're under grace. And this shows what God's grace is. God says, wait a minute, if you give, if you're going to step into this position of being a giver, my grace is going to give to you so that you can give. That's what's amazing. God will give to us so we can give. But we've got to take the initial step. You draw close to God, he'll draw close to you. If you give, then it's given to us. And he says there, what, pressed down? He says, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. There's a lot in that scripture about finances. It, it's all up to you. See, it's not this... Uh, bust you over the head type thing and you know I mean Malachi 3.10 is what's always used for you know the Old Testament tithe you know, it's, uh, you know shall you rob God will a man rob God and well you, you've robbed me and, and you know and it talks about a curse coming upon well you know um, we're not under that anymore we've been redeemed from the curse but just like anything else in the law you break a principle you don't really break a principle. You break yourself on the principle, right? If you fall out of a tree, you know, you, you, don't, you, might break, you don't really break the law of gravity. You break your leg. <laughs> you, know, you, you violate the principle of gravity. So things happen. And so giving is a, is a principle. It's a spiritual principle. What's changed under the new covenant is now God gives grace. And he says, give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use will be measured back to you. So we can determine that. And we should determine that. Well, I should give because I want my life to be used by God through my giving. You know, they say there's three stages of life. One's to live, to love, and to leave a legacy. You know, we ought to be able to... We ought to have a desire that we want God to work through us and, and use us. And Paul talks about that. In fact, he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, listen to this, these five verses from verse 10 through 15. How he talks about that God will supply seed to the sower. In 2 Corinthians 9 verse 10 it says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed. In other words, God's the one that supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. It says, he will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Why do we want to be rich? God wants us to be rich so we can be generous on every occasion. But you can't you got to be generous before you can get into this thing of him making us rich so we can be generous on every occasion. You see what I'm saying? That, that characteristic has to be developed. And when that's developed, where we've determined that that's going to be developed in us and that's who we're going to be, then God, then he releases that. And it says then he can make us rich on every occasion, he says. Um, where is that? You will, be made, you will be made rich in every way so that you can... Be generous on every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Paul said, you know, they were giving to, to, into his ministry. He says, and then through us, then thanksgiving to God is going to result. Isn't that what it's all about anyway? Verse 12 says, uh, this service, Paul's talking to them, he says, this service that you're doing means this giving, this offering that you're giving. He said, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. When we give, it results in praise to God. Isn't that what's supposed to happen anyway? God's name is to be praised. So when you give, thanks goes up for, to God. Wow, it's amazing. Verse 13, because of the service by which you have uh, proved yourselves, men will praise God for the, the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. Verse 14, and in their prayers for, your, uh, for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. 
Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So see, God gives us that grace. And he wants us to be rich in every way so that we can be generous on all occasions. But we've got to start out being generous before that can happen. Wow, and that's a tough thing, isn't it? That's why it's all up to us. God doesn't force us. You know, he's not going to uh, knock you into next week. <laughs> he loves you. You're not, you're not going to lose your salvation if you don't give in the offering, okay? The gospel of Jesus Christ is, is that, that God has come and he gave his son and that, uh, that whoever believes in him shall be saved. Not whoever gives the most in the offering plate. That's not going to get you any more saved. But it will get you more blessed. You understand what I'm saying? So, you, you know, I don't want you to get that wrong because some people, you know, they maybe pound that in and think, oh my goodness, I don't know what's going to happen if, if I don't do this. Well, what's going to happen is you're going to lose out and you get into a place where God can't pour in blessings to you. He can't apply his grace to help make you generous on all occasions. Well, I need to give because I want to be a worshiper of God. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16, it says, and do not uh, forget to do good and to share with others for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. You know, we need to have that in mind. We need to be good seekers. We need to be, you know, see and eat and meet it. Find a hurt and heal it. That type of mentality. That's who God is. That's, that's his frame of mind. And when we have that same frame of mind, God blesses in that. You know, David, King David said, he knew that um, the connection between giving and worship. He understood that worship and giving was so close right there together and he said in in second samuel 24 24 he says i will not offer burnt offerings to the lord my god which cost me nothing wow he says there's a cost there so there is a giving and sometimes we think well you know and it pinches us well that's sacrificial giving and that happens but that's when worship occurs and that's there's times when satan fights fights you in giving he doesn't want you to he doesn't want that worship going up to God. But when you are determined that it doesn't make any difference, you're still going to worship God. I want to tell you something. There's a harvest in, ahead of you somewhere. It, 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 it just happens. How many of you would testify and say, that's right, I've, I've seen God do that in my life. Just hold up your hand just for a second. Just hold them up for a second. Amen. You can testify to that. You know that. We don't understand how it happens, but we just know that it happened, that we saw it happen. One person said, if it's convenient, it's not worship. That's probably true. Um, so, as again, Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. Let's look at this thing about how much should I give? Because we need to deal with this. How much should I give? I think the real question is, is how much do you want to be blessed? <laughs> Sometimes we ask that question thinking, what's the least I have to do? Right? I mean, you know, it's kind of like when we, we're, we, we're supposed to be transformed by the renewing of our mind and, we, and our sin nature is still alive. And so we, wanna, we see this line drawn and we want to see how as we get as far over here as we can, you know, without, you know, without getting in trouble or whatever. Like, you know, what's, when we're saying, not really how much do I have to give, it's what's the least do I have to give? Well, we're probably already in the wrong frame of mind. But 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, I think I read part of it a while ago. The Apostle Paul said, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give. Now here's the key. Each, this is family. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, we always hear that God loves a cheerful giver. And I always say, but he'll receive from a grouch. But, but what it's saying is, see, that's why we've already received the offering. But there are white boxes on the back of the. <laughs> you, should, you should have a time of prayer and, and seeking the Lord and asking him, you know, Lord, what do you want me to give? And, and you decide that between you and God. And when you've got that settled... That's between you and him. Then just be obedient to it. And come and you can be cheerful about it. Because what? You're, you're doing what God's asked you to do. That's exciting, right? Paul, so he says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly 
are under compulsion, but God loves, for God loves a cheerful giver. You know, the question is to tithe or not to tithe? That is the question. Many people say, well, tithing is not mentioned in the Bible. Yet Jesus did talk about it. He just didn't name it tithing. Say, well, that, you know, that's not for us today. And it's, it's, that was an Old Testament um, principle and practice. And, and we won't go into all of that. But we're not under that anymore. You know, tithing was giving 10% of, you know, of, of your, your increase. I guess what, what in the New Testament we call it first fruits giving. If you don't want to call it a tithe, it's your first fruit because that's what he says, give of your first fruit. Um, so, you know, where do we start from there? Where do we go from there? In, in Matthew 6, 21, uh, remember Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And so, you know, you're watching to see, well, you know, what do I need to do? What's the least I need to do? And because we're thinking about all these other treasures that we want to, that we want to take care of over here, you know. When we are able to give 10% or more of our income instead of keeping that money for ourselves. It shows that our heart isn't tied to our money and that we love God more than our money. That's the, that's the principle behind it. When you're able to, you know, to say, okay, take 10% off of this. I want to honor God with it. He's given me the ability to get this. It's going to be my worship. What you're saying is I'm not tied to this, this you know. And really, in a sense, my mom used to say, hey, you ought to be glad God lets you keep the 90 that's what my mom used to say. You ought to be glad God lets you keep the 90 and he just takes the 10. Well, see, I think in New Testament giving, he just says, you decide what you're going to do. And I will, will reward you accordingly. You sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. You sow generously, you're going to reap generously. Um, what do we do? Where do we go from that? I think in the New Testament, really, it's based upon Jesus and what he did. What, how much did he give? Everything. Everything. So go from there, you know. When you go home and, and you go back and you talk to the Lord and it says, you know, as Paul said, you know, each person should decide what they're going to do. Well, go back and, and start. Maybe you want to start at the 10% and ask God, hey, where do we work up from here? You know, maybe that there ought to be something that's consistent in, in your giving. Um, you know, Jesus did talk about tithing to the, to the Pharisees and he was condemning them for tithing down to the very penny you know to the very spice but but then neglecting the more important issues of justice and mercy and faith and you know he goes on to tell them that they should they should in fact tithe but he says but you shouldn't neglect the more important things he said you ought to do the former without neglecting the latter so he was saying he didn't tell them not to tithe he said you ought to tithe he's basically he said you ought to do the former which you're saying you ought to tithe but you shouldn't neglect these things of justice and mercy and faith. We still have justice and mercy and faith around today, or we should have. So we shouldn't also neglect our bringing a, a, our gift into the, to the house of the Lord as well. And, uh, you know, Jesus recognized the importance of keeping these things because that shows who we are. Romans 8, 4 tells us that uh, Jesus came that the, the righteous requirements of the law might be full, fully met in us, not so that they could be altogether dismissed. They're fully met in us. So those requirements of the law are met. We don't have to have those requirements for our salvation. Thank God for the, the, the good news, you know, that uh, we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, we're saved. But it doesn't mean that those things are completely dismissed. There are principles there that we should learn from. They didn't need to go back and teach all those things. They'd been taught that and been been rammed down their throat for all these hundreds of years and didn't need to go back and re-teach all of the things about giving. They're supposed to know that, and they didn't know that. But what Jesus, we find him correcting them, and when they were tithing down to the, the very penny, but yet they were overlooking the things that he said were really important, faith and justice and mercy and, and those things like that. You know, Romans 3, 21 through 31, there's 10 verses there that talks about how we have righteousness through faith and not through following the law. Uh, so we don't have to follow that law. We have it through faith. But yet, verse 31 says, Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. So it's not saying that, well, that's all done away with. We don't ever have to do that again. I'm not saying that, that tithing is something that is mandatory. I'm just saying we should learn from that. 
that we need to, he said, bring your whole tithe into the storehouse. That there might be provision in the, store, in the storehouse. That principle is still true. You bring your first fruit, your, your gifts into the house of the Lord, into the church today so that there can be provision here. The electric bill can be paid. The water bill can be paid. The, you know, various things can be paid. That, that principle still stands true. But it's not going to be in the sense of, of keeping the law in the sense that we have to do that for our salvation. No. He said, do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. We uphold these certain principles, those principles. You know, you look at the Ten Commandments. You know, you're going to go to hell? You know, I mean, we don't have to be so rigid or whatever, but yet those are spiritual principles that you don't want to break them because there's consequences for breaking those things, right? God was trying to show us how righteous he is and trying to help us out by saying, if you violate these spiritual principles, things will happen in your life and you won't like it. You know, don't steal. You steal, you get thrown in jail. You won't like it being there. You know? Don't commit adultery. You commit adultery, you're liable to get shot. You won't like being shot. You know, it's like, I mean, you know, it's like these are some principles you don't want to break. And so it's the same thing. Spiritual principles are there to help us. And then he tries to tell us and tell us that there's good things will happen if we, if we keep them. But we're not required to to go to heaven. Are you following that? Is that making sense? Well, so let's look down here at this part where it says, um, you know, how do I decide how much to give? Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty might become rich that you might become rich you know jesus gave everything he, he had really that's what we base it upon so you just ask him that's where you talk to him and see you know i think it's good to to start start and if you haven't been in the practice of giving it's it's tough to start say you know take 10 percent of your uh, your income that's a hard thing to do to get, get in the habit of doing that and um, so you might have to work into it. That's why you need to talk to the Lord. Ask him to give you wisdom on what to do. Maybe there's some things that you need to become poor in so that you can become rich in some other things. You see what I'm saying? You might have to do without this or that to enjoy something over here. Does that make sense? And so you talk to the Lord about it. See what he has you to do. But I'm telling you, people, we need to, you need to do something. How often should I give? Another question. Well, what we read a while ago really tells us that we ought to give in a pre-planned, systematic way. Uh, 1 Corinthians 16, 2, Paul says this. He says, on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. And what he says, in keeping with his income, implies that Whatever I receive, whatever income I receive, then I should look at that and then determine out of that what I'm going to give. When he says on the first day of the week, that doesn't always work. It just simply means in a systematic way. You might, you might get paid once a month. So, you know, you need to look at it then. Some, some of you might get paid twice a, a month or, you know, whatever. But whenever that happens, you look at that. And the first thing that you do is say, Lord, I want to honor you with the first fruits of my income. You know, that, I think he's pleased at that. That we think of him first, not thinking of him as last. Sometimes we tip waitresses and waiters more than we, than we do God. I mean, we put him last, but if you put him first and you honor him and you do what you can do, you might not be able to do all that you want to do right now, but you can work into that. You can set some goals and you can, you can ask God to help you and start to do something and then work into to a systematic giving. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. What he's decided, and it, it implies advanced planning. You know, a lot of times we, you know, we get to church and like, oh man, all I got is my debit card, <laughs> right? Because we don't write checks anymore or whatever, most people. Plan it out. You don't go fishing and say, oh man, I left my pole at home. <laughs> Right? I mean, you don't go to the you don't go to Walmart and say, get up to the cashier and say, Oh man, I don't have no money. <laughs> I mean, you plan it out, right? So either stop by someplace during the week and get some cash or or do something. 
there have been people that have set it up on their, their bank where it comes out, you know, just a pre-planned thing. And uh, first time we got some mail, what in the world is this? And it was, a, you know, a check came in the mail that they had worked out like that. And they said, hey, that works good for me. I pay all my bills like that. I want to give God first. And so I just set it up on that. We've got online giving now that you can do things like that. The, the main thing is just plan it out. <laughs> Don't wait till you get to church and do it. It's like uh, when we were traveling around singing, we sang with a group called the Blackwood Brothers, and they were talking about they had a concert. They used to always do it free. They said they, they decided to charge because they had to rent this big, large facility, so they needed to charge a little bit, and they were charging five bucks. And this lady uh, came and, and um, so came up to get a ticket and says, or, or were they, she says, oh, you've got to pay to get in? She said, I thought it was going to be a free will offering. I didn't bring any money. Well, what does that say? So she wasn't planning on giving anything in the offering either because she didn't bring any money. You know, I thought it was going to be an offering. So I didn't bring any money. That's the way a lot of times that we are. And so plan it out. You know, what are we going to do if we stand before the Lord and, and we say, oh, Lord, my finances were just the pits and all this stuff. He says, well, you know, I wanted to bless you, but you never planned it out. Well, I just never had any money when I got to church. Well, plan it out before you get to church. Amen. Uh-oh. All right, I better move on now. I almost started preaching there. Systematic in response to him. You know, whatever it is, if it's once a week, if it's once a month, if it's twice a month or whatever it is, plan that out and talk to God about it. And whatever he, you know, you work out with him, that's fine. It's going to work out. But sometimes there's emergency needs. So that's where the, there's first fruit giving. We used to call it tithing. And, and then there's offerings, which are things that like... Maybe the youth have a certain need and we want to give an offering toward that or toward the building fund. And it's something over and above what we've worked out with God. And, well, what do I do? What do I do? I haven't talked to God about it. Well, talk to him right now about it. <laughs> I mean, is it going to hurt something for you to help a kid go to camp? You know, I mean, is that really going to be a bad thing? I mean, if you can do it, then do it. If you can't do it, don't do it. Don't feel bad about it. You know, just if you can do it, do it. That's not necessarily systematic. It's on the moment. And so if you feel led to do that, that's fine. There's also almsgiving. Almsgiving is when you give to a, 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 an individual or family that are financially in need. It's giving to a, a financial need. And that's where it's not to let the right hand know what the left hand is doing. Because you're helping that person and it's... You don't really want them to know that you're the one doing that, that God did that for them. And then if, 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 if I was in uh, financial difficulties and Neil said, somehow he found out about it. And so he went to Wade and said, hey, Wade, uh, I know Paul's going through some, some financial problems. Here's $100. Just, the Lord told me to give it to him. So Wade gives it to me. I said, wow, that's cool. Where'd that come from? Well, it's just the, the Lord's blessing. So, you know, next time I see, uh, I'll come over here and I said, man, guess what happened? Neil? God bless me. I was going through a difficult time, and God bless me. Now, I'm telling him that not knowing that he's the one that gave me the $100. But now, does that bless him? Sure, it blesses him because he knows that's genuine. That's honest. Not me just trying to butter him up and get another 100 bucks. <laughs> right? That's why you don't. And then the other thing is you don't let the right hand know what the left hand is doing because you might not want to give him another $100 you know, next week. <laughs> you know, that might have been all. You know, maybe they need to learn something so they don't have to have another $100. So that's almsgiving. So there's three types of giving. But when it comes to your first fruits giving, that's when you need to plan it out and be systematic about it. And God will bless you on that. Okay, let's hurry through this last part. What happens when I give? Well, I got some scriptures here. I'll just read them off to you. When you give, God will bless with his results. You know, first of all, I and my family will be blessed. God blesses faith and obedience, which are the, uh, at the heart of biblical giving. If you give, God promises to supply all your needs. Philippians chapter 4, verse 17. He'll supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. When you give, others needs, other people's needs will be met. Philippians chapter 4, 16. Also 2 Corinthians 8. God's work, his church, and the workers will not be hindered. And the needs of the poor will be met when you give. Those things are happening. What else happens? God will be thanked and glorified, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, he'll get the praise if we give his way. The body of Christ will be united in prayer and fellowship, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 14. We will be united together. Um, and when I give, people will, will spend eternity with God because of your giving. People can get saved because of you being able to give and help the ministries go out. And we have outreach and the different ministries that we have from the church. 
the Bible teaches that the liberality of God's blessings is tied to our giving. A lot of people don't think that, but, but it is. God becomes more liberal when we become more liberal. As Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So when you give, you're going to get a harvest. It could be sparingly or it could be bountifully. And Jesus, again, remember, he said, Given it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Well, what do we need to do? I want you to pray. I want you to ask God what he'd have you to do. Just your part, not anybody else's. Some people will try to take the whole responsibility upon themselves. And they think this message is just for them. No, it's not. It's for all of us. And if, if every one of us does our part, God meets the needs. I believe the miracle's in the house. You know, uh, we've got a lot of visitors here today. I was thinking, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness. I love visitors to come to church. I want visitors to come to church. I'm thinking, oh, no, we're going to talk about money today. <laughs> but you know what? For some reason, God had you come today. We're just being open and honest. You know, I guess we're having, having just a little open meeting today. But we're talking about what the, the Word of God has to say about money and about our giving. And he says, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I believe I've preached the, the word of God today. I believe that it's the truth. I've seen it happen in my life. You know, we practice it. We've seen God work miracles, raise four kids, raise some grandkids. I don't know what all else. And God's always taking care of us. And he always will. Many of you could, how many of you just could raise your hand and say, you know what, I know it works because God's taking care of us through it. Amen. So preaching to the choir pretty much. But we need to be reminded. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. And we're going to be dismissed. And I want to ask you to, when you leave from here, sometime this week, sometime, spend some time with the Lord. Maybe you need to check up and see, well, Lord, do I need to do something different? Do I need to do a little bit more? You know, and, or when you're gone, you know what happens. And, you know, I thought about that. Well, we were gone on vacation. Man, wait a minute, how did I, what I need to do? And, and, because uh, I know the church needs, our, needs the finances. I don't know, we just have to think about those things. But I want you to talk to the Lord about it. And see what he'd have you to do. And just as the Apostle Paul said, you know, determine what you're going to do. And then just do it. Be obedient to him. Let's leave those words in our heart, but let's pray. Father, today it's been difficult for me, but I want to be obedient to you. Father, this, this shouldn't be a tough subject. But it's sad that the church has been so plundered by wolves in sheep's clothing that all of us have bruises and we shy away when we first hear the mention of money or giving in church. It, I believe that Satan has done that because it's one of the things that really opens up your blessings to us. We need to learn the truth of it and be set free from these things and then also father that we can be walking in a degree of financial freedom that we can be freed up to serve you the way that you would have us to to serve you father just take these words and just plant them in our hearts let us meditate upon them as we go our ways that we would take this time and and come before you and and seek you seek your face to see what we are supposed to do we have a responsibility every one of us one of us that are believers it's really it is something that it's a responsibility that we are entrusted to so father help us to to be honest before you and to to hear your voice and then just then do what you tell us to do faith without works is dead and so uh, lord we ask that you just would then just free up this church father expand our ministry father free up our families and the businesses that are represented in this church Father, that would prosper. Lord, we believe that we're in, entering into some days ahead that are difficult and challenging and really need uh, the gospel. And people need to be set free. And people are going to be looking for answers. And we want to be there ready to do that. Lord, we want to be about your business, to win the lost and to develop the saved. We want to be that light that dispels darkness. That's who you called us to be. We are an army of believers that, Father, that you are bringing together to be encouraged in heart and united in love. 
and to experience the full riches of understanding your principles. So, Lord, we thank you for that. With our heads bowed this morning and our eyes closed, let me ask you this question today. Are you sure today that you're a child of God? Are you a Christian? Do you know without a shadow of a doubt that if your time here on earth was to end, that you would spend eternity with, with God? If you do, just raise your hand. Say, Pastor, I know. I'm sure of that today. I, I know that I'm a Christian. I know that, uh, that I have a, a home in heaven. Amen. Amen. If you couldn't raise your hand and you're not sure, if you still have question marks, I don't want to embarrass you. Just right where you are, while nobody's looking around, will you just raise your hand and say, Pastor, I, I really couldn't raise my hand because I'm not sure, but I'd like, to know, I'd like to be sure. And would you pray for me? If you just raise your hand right where you are, we want to just pray for you. You know, you shouldn't, shouldn't gamble on this. <laughs> something that you need to be aware of so just raise your hand if you if you couldn't raise your hand a while ago but you want to be sure just hold your hand up and uh, let me see it anybody here this morning you're not sure of eternity amen looks like that we got a house full of believers pretty much here do you know someone that is not saved not a child of God that needs Christ if you do raise your hand Amen. Amen. Well, let's pray as we close out this service. Let's pray for them. I want you to, to just get them as a prayer target, call their name out before the Lord, and just pray that there would be an opportunity that either from you or someone, that God would bring someone into their pathway, that they might come to know Christ as their Savior. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, right now we just draw our attention to these that that we that are near to us, dear to us, or that we're aware of, that, that aren't saved they're not Christians they're not believers they need to be they're on our heart Lord we ask that you would just give opportunity that they would have uh, the opportunity to hear the gospel the good news and become a Christian a child of God have that opportunity Lord either by us or by someone but just by a divine appointment just bring that open that door that they can uh, hear the good news Lord, if, it, if it's possible that we could just bring them to church, Lord, that, that they could hear about you here, give us that opportunity to do that as well. Lord, just help us to be sensitive to you. Help us to be uh, worshipful of you, not just while we're here in church, but every day of our life. Lord, we love you today. We thank you for this church. We thank you for the ministry that's, that you're doing here. We thank you for the things that you've got planned for us. Father, we're excited about the days ahead. Lord, I'm excited about victories. I'm, I'm excited about breakthrough. I'm excited about freedom coming. I'm excited about financial freedom, Father, for houses, homes, and families, and, and businesses, Lord. And so, Father, we declare that today, and we believe it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming today to Light Christian Center. Shake hands with somebody. If there's somebody here that you don't know, well, get to know them before you leave. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night and next Sunday.